0: Leopold to the right hand, puts her down, he's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Warrior. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 10 one one where's
1: your emergency? Someone overdosed? What's the address?
0: I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Leval, and I've been to hell and back. This... Is the road to recovery. What is going on? Welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 97. Of course, I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from beautiful Muskoka, Ontario. It's almost. Roller hockey season, I rollerblade all over Gravenhurst with my gloves and stick. I don't care. Right down the road, I'm here, look out. I'm getting my my reps in. It's so good for my mental health. I don't know what you guys do, but if I can't be on the ice, it's, it's on the rollerblades and never go anywhere without a stick in my hand. We're going to see a little bit of that later on. Uh, but I'm super grateful if you're watching uh, – Live for the first time or multiple times, thank you so much for being here. we got a very big episode. I'm really excited uh, to to have Kenny Belanger come on here in just a few moments. Uh, Interesting story how we connected here just a a couple weekends ago up in North Bay, which is another town that is very near and dear to my heart. That's where I got back on the ice for the first time after not skating for 10 years uh, with my good friend Dan Spence, who just so happened to be there when I met Kenny or just prior to Um, If you're watching on YouTube, please press that like button. Press that subscribe button. If you're watching on Facebook, share it. Share it with your friends if you like this show. That's how we do things. We rely on people. You people. I love you all. I don't know if that's politically correct to say that. Maybe I'll get canceled now. I don't care. I love you all. Before we bring in Kenny, we're going to hear from Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets. They've been around since day one. Jesse Paradise, former teammate of mine with the Cloner Rockets, is the owner of Team Issued, was my second guest ever, like 170 episodes again. If you didn't know, the show used to be called Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recover- Recovery, but we changed the name uh, about a year ago, hoping that it resonates with a few more people. And I think that's the case. So without further ado, let's get into it. This guy's an original draft pick to the Ottawa 67s. Brian Kilray, friend of the show, he's been on here uh, at a couple 67 alumni on the show uh he also played for the guelph storm he was drafted by the hartford whalers and went on to the national hockey league and fought anybody who was anybody uh back in the days of when there was real enforcers and that's exactly what he was and and uh just very privileged and honored to have kind of had the courage to go up to him and and introduce myself so without further ado let's bring him in my man kenny belanger kenny what's going on man welcome to the show
1: hey brady how you doing tonight
0: Man, I'm doing doing fantastic. Actually, I had a bit of a rough day. I think I texted you about that. You know, it's it's part of the process, as as you said. I'm um, just kind of working through some of this stuff. So thank you for that kind reminder through text because I was uh, I was in one and I was able to pull myself out of it. So um, thank you for that. But before we get into it, I just want to share a little bit um, about you know how we connected, and you can hop in at any time if you want. Uh, I was in North Bay a couple weeks ago, and and I was with Dan Spence coaching goalie goalie camp and. Doing my thing and we went out to watch one of the young goalies and I know some of the young players Carter Buckman uh, specifically who was I was there to watch um, and Vin Popkey and so we're there watching and, and I saw you walk through the lobby and you're towering over absolutely everybody you got his hair and you just had this presence and I looked at Dan and I'm like there's no way that that guy didn't play somewhere like there's there's no way. And he's like, yeah, it looks like, it It looks like, and that was the day before that I met you. And then I went to the next game and uh, I got word of, of who you were. Like I knew who you were, but I didn't recognize you. And um, as soon as I found that, I'm like, I'll be right back. And uh, sure enough, I walked up to you. What was your first impression when I walked up to you just abruptly after the game that you lost, by the way, you guys went on to win, but that was a tough loss.
1: Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I, I did recognize you the day before cause I had been following your show from the outside. I'm pretty, pretty involved in the hockey community. So I've always got my pulse on what's going on. So I've been, I've been watching your show from the outside and kind of watching it grow. And so when I looked down the hallway and seeing you, you've got a distinguished stash, you've got the flow going. So it's, it's not real hard to, uh, to, to not identify you. So I, I did, but once again, I, I, you know, I was going to give you your respect and I wasn't sure why you were there, who you're seeing. So, uh, you know what, when you did come up to me, uh, I thought it was great. Um, you know, you were kind of, you know, hesitant. I'm like, you know what, like the only, the only way people get things in life is be by by taking that charge and being proactive. And you just never know what that person's going to bring to you. So I, you know, I recommend, you know, to anybody out there and, and, and I'm a huge, uh, you know, mental performance coach in my gym and all, you know, my life experiences and, and I'm, you know, all the, all the ups and downs and I'm, I'm, figuring out now why I had to deal with all this shit and why, why I am who I am now. And I, and I, and, and I think it's no different than you with your message is If you didn't live your life, you wouldn't be saving somebody else's. So, um, so I thought it was great when you come up to me. I mean, um, you know, people come up and I'm, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate to live my dream. I mean, let, let, let's rephrase that. My dream wasn't to be a heavyweight in the NHL. My dream was to be an NHL player. So I, I lived that dream to be an NHL player. Um, you know, the role I did, it, it, it was what it was. And I had to make that choice, uh, to, to make that commitment, but, uh, I, I would do it all over. So, I, you know what, I'm grateful that you come up to me because you're feeling a part of, of my circle that, uh, that I hadn't yet completed in terms of, of helping people from the, the mental health and wellness. I work with, you know, all levels of performance. I work with special needs kids. So, so when you come up to me, I think you're, you're helping me fill a void in my life where I believe I'm going to help you help other people.
0: Yeah. And and thank you for saying that. And I feel the exact same way. And uh, it was honestly like a privilege and an honor just to be talking with you. And, and obviously, we've been had the chance to connect quite a few times since then, which I, again, feel honored just to have you in my life. And just somebody to lean on. Right. And uh, that's, you know, if I don't take that chance, we're certainly not having this conversation right now or the, all the other ones that we had. So I think it's important to highlight what you said there for people watching or listening. Right. Get out there and, and, and ask, you know. Uh, and take what's take what's yours essentially right and uh, or or what you want and uh I'm sure glad that I did that that day, and it wasn't always the case for me, certainly not through my addiction and stuff would have never I would have been hiding from you right so it was a it was a kind of a big moment, so I appreciate your kindness and and your grace with me, and um, looking forward to seeing how we can help each other in the future. but let's hammer out this podcast first and hear a little bit about hear a little bit uh about your journey through hockey, and then we'll kind of get into the, the the meat of the show here. but I always gotta ask everybody. I mean it's it's kind of foolish in a sense we're in you're Canadian from the Sioux and uh, hockey's probably in your blood. but tell tell us a little bit about your journey through hockey and maybe some of the ups and downs you had early on to to get to junior or or was it an easy ride and and what was the experience like for you? and reflecting back on it, Kenny, was it was it what you expected or or more or less? tell, tell us a little bit about your experience sure. through hockey.
1: So um, as you stated, born and raised in Sault Ste. Marie with a pretty blue collar family, you know, uh, good parents, you know, pretty, pretty basic household, you know, the dog, siblings, um, you know, everyone loads up in the truck and goes camps on the weekend. So I had a pretty, pretty honest um, growing up and, uh, you know, my parents did what they could um, and, you know, for all of us. And, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, I got involved in hockey early and, uh, I love the game from the time I started. And I, I remember just being a child, you know, someone was like, you know, what do you want to do when you're older? You know, I want to play hockey. I didn't know what that meant whatsoever. I know I wanted to play hockey. Um, so, uh, you know, growing up in the Sioux, I, I, I think I was a pretty competitive player. Um, uh, I know I played, um, with respect, but I, I played, I did play physical, um, because I wanted to win, uh, so you know, growing up here was you know the AAA hockey, and you know I was cut. I was cut in the thirteen-year-old AAA team, which you know I really didn't care. Not that I cared that I was cut, but I, I it didn't set me back where kids were devastated. I think I may have been devastated for a bit, but at the end of the day, uh, I still was playing hockey the next year, uh, and so that was probably the you know the first kind of you know hurdle you know, at, you know, 13, you know, you know, being, you know, rep hockey for four years and going to a team where a coach didn't like you and cutting you and, you know, managing it and moving on. So, you know, that's the first kind of road to, you know, building some resilience at an early age. And so I played AAA hockey growing up and, you know, moving, you know, moving forward into the early teens, you know, there's, there was two AAA teams here and I really didn't care there was a stronger one and I went with all my friends on the so-called secondary one. And once again, I was playing hockey and I loved it. So I was, you know, I was where I needed to be. Um, Then I was, uh I was uh, drafted, you know, I played midget hockey and I was, uh, I went to the drafting kitchen with my family. We loaded up and being in the odd, we had, I had no idea first of all, what the OHL draft meant. Uh you know, I didn't have an agent, nobody talked to us. So we, I knew I was rated and I was probably going to get drafted. That's all I knew. So we loaded up, put the suit on, sat in there and waited. And Ottawa 67s uh, called my name. And I'm like, prior to the draft, I'm walking around seeing the table. The only Jersey that I didn't like was a barber pole. And I said to myself, you know what? The only team I don't want to go is to that Jersey right there, Ottawa, just because I hated the Jersey and I hated the barber pole. It looked bad compared to the other jerseys. So, I probably made my destiny by saying that because lo and behold, Ottawa drafts me and Brian Kilray was the first uh, inspirational mentor, I guess, in my life where he was that zero tolerance, hard nosed. I'm going to push you to the limits and you're going to do what I need you to do or you're not going to be here. And so being drafted, I just assumed that I was on the team. I had no idea I wasn't on the team. I just thought, well, you're drafted. So I'm going to play in Ottawa next year. And being my naive, I you know, my grandpa made me a big trunk. We packed our clothes, we camped on the way down. We got to Ottawa, we stayed at a campground for a training camp, uh in the pop-up trailer, and you know, went back and forth to the rink. And I still just assumed I made the team. I'm I'm playing in Ottawa this year, I'm not going anywhere else. And fortunately, I, I did make the team. Uh, but I look back at years later, I was like, you know, I was I was a fifth-round draft pick. There's no way I was a shoe-in. Um, so but being naive of the fact that what my odds were, I, I was making the team. It didn't matter yeah. what the odds were in front of me. I was doing it. And so made the team, uh, moved into a billet family. And my first billet family was, you know, was a single person. And I'm used to coming from a big family. And I felt the house really cold. And I just, I had a tough time. So I got moved to a family around the corner. And it was, uh, it was incredible. They had the dog and they had, you know, the, I had the brother and the sister. And so it was more of a family. Environment that I got to move into, so it was it was real comfortable. And so my first year uh, with Ottawa, um, I, I had no intentions of fighting, uh, whatsoever. And I'm not uh, I'm not a, an angry person. I, I think I'm just my character is I really stand up for what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes that hinders me because people don't want people to stand up for what's right. They always want people just yeah. to be pigeons. Yeah. So i'm not built that way i'm built if I believe something's wrong and I have facts behind it i will I will present that fact and and call the person out and we know the reality is that nobody wants to be called out. everybody wants to be told how great they are so um I, you know I, th- I think what happened was I just didn't like what someone did something dirty to one of my teammates, and I think I just went and confronted the guy, and I never fought prior to you know not growing up I mean on the ice and I probably confronted a guy and I threw my gloves down and all of a sudden I'm left-handed and knocked the guy out with one punch. I'm like, Oh my God, what just happened? So, you know, unfortunately it kind of evolved into, you know, I was doing, you know, quite a bit of fighting and, you know, it didn't really bother me, but it, it did because I didn't, that's not what I seen myself as. Um, so going into the, the first year junior, I, I think I had a, a fairly competitive year. Then uh, I was rated in Central Scouting to the NHL draft, which once again, I had no idea what the NH- I've never watched an NHL draft. I mean, um, never followed it on TV, didn't know what it meant. I knew there was an NHL and I knew there was an OHL. That's really as far as, as I went in terms of education. So I, the draft was in Montreal uh, in the forum and my grandfather was a huge Montreal fan because he's French, of course. He's going to support the Canadians. So... Uh, We packed up and he come down uh, with my grandma and my family and we drove to Montreal and uh, the draft was in the Montreal forum, which was, which was special because, you know, just for my grandfather, because he's never been in the forum before. So for me to be there with him uh, in in the forum and, you know, his grandson to be drafted, I'm sure it was pretty special for him. Uh, You know, then, you know, drafted to Hartford and you know what, 10 years later, it's just like, I'm sitting in my gym and, you know, where's where's that time gone? And so, you know, the, the time lapse between, you know, the day I was drafted to, uh, you know, going back to Ottawa. And, you know, my first camp, I just was not ready. Like, these guys were men. I was, I, was, I was 18 and I was just a kid. And I showed up to camp and they had big stashes like you. And I'm just like, I do not want to be here right now. Like, I was scared. Like, I was just right out of my element. And I'm like, you know, Brian Burke and Paul Holmgren were the GMs of Hartford at the time. And they had tough teams. And it was it was a different game. Like it was an aggressive, full yeah. respect, you know, veteran game. And there was no 19 year olds. Like there was, I mean, the 24 year olds back then looked like they were 40 now. I uh, just, you know, with, with where the style was. And so I was so intimidated and I really couldn't get, I couldn't wait to get back to Ottawa in my first training camp. Um, so I uh, got back to Ottawa, you know, I, you know, we, we, I played the rest of that year out and I got traded to, uh, to go off one of my, uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, Sylvain Cloutier, was in Guelph, uh, and uh, I think he had some influence in, in trading. And, and so uh, I, I got traded to Guelph, and you know, the, the tough part about my trade was my first game was in Ottawa the next so, night. So I went from being in Ottawa in my grandparents' house to the Guelph uh, a PR guy picking me up and driving to Kingston – to meet the team, to jump back in the bus, to drive back to Ottawa the next night and play against my own team. So it was, a, it was a, an extremely, and I look at that hurdle. Like, I mean, the, the emotions I had to deal with there, where I had all my buddies and my billet family and, yeah and all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm drafted, I'm traded. I was like, and now I'm sitting on the other bench. And so it was a really hard thing to manage. And I, uh, of course I got traded for Freddie Oduya uh, straight up and he was a tough kid at the time and he he's passed. And uh, since, you know, a few years ago, he had an accident. But so uh, he, uh, he was a tough Swede. And of course we fight because we got traded for each other and I knock him out and I score a goal. And the, of course the headlines are, why could you do that when you're with us? And I'm like, well, let's, you know, so, so, you know, that, that was probably, you know, a, another hurdle of dealing with some adversity and, and becoming resilient of, of, try sitting on the bench with all your buddies and the guys you trust. And then the next night you're competing against them and sort of see you later. You're kind of on the outside. It was, it was a bit of an emotional thing, but that was my first, you know, hurdle of realizing this is going to be the pro hockey life. And, and I didn't know that I was going to be a pro player, but that's, you know, I look back at it. That was the first, you know, that's the first, you know, hurdle of, of becoming a professional player of managing your emotions and dealing with uh situations. So, you know, I went on to Guelph and, you know, I uh, played there for a year and a half. And at the end of my junior career, I was traded to uh, I was traded to the Leafs and I, I didn't really understand uh, what that meant. Like I was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's awesome. I was I was excited, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm a Leaf. Like I'm in Guelph and I'm actually a Leaf. I grew up in the Sioux and I'm actually a Toronto Maple Leaf now. And it, it really didn't. It was it, it was kind of surreal. No different than me being drafted Ottawa and then being drafted to Hartford and now I'm a Maple Leaf and this is all within three years and keep in mind I'm that kid that knew nothing about the process so I wasn't in Toronto I wasn't educated you know about my parents had no idea about what was going on and so now I'm a Leaf I go to St. John's and I went there for playoffs and got the experience of the Newfoundland uh, lifestyle and so I signed a contract with the Leafs that summer Uh, I trained my ass off and went to Leaf camp and uh, played, I played no exhibition games at year. Pat Burns was a coach there and, and bless his soul. He was another huge influencer in my life. And so Burnsy hated rookies. You may, you're, you need to earn your stripes with Burnsy. And he was old school, but, you know, the teams he had, they won. But he made sure every player earned their spot in the team. And so I went down to St. John's and we had a real tough team down there and got to you know, living on the, uh, you know, in the Maritimes. Like it was hardcore hockey. I mean, every team was playing. The fans were just fully engaged like they were right on the, the the arenas were built where the crowd was right over the ice and you know that was their entertainment and so every team had tough guys and it was you know it was a life experience to, to experience newfoundland and the people out there uh were incredible uh my you know my brother moved out there my first year with me uh so you know that was a good life experience so you know i uh, i got called up my first year uh I, still quite didn't comprehend that what that meant it was that I got called up to Toronto and I was on the plane and they had the phones in the back the headrests and I was calling everybody, swipe my card. I'm like, I got called up to the Leafs and so I had a four hour flight. I had about a $500 credit card bill because I called everybody I knew from the airplane phone, but I know I was going to Toronto. And so I got into Toronto and it was, uh, it was another surreal moment that it was, you know, walking around and everybody knew, who I was in the mall because the Leafs are just—it's just Leaf Nation—is insane, and it was kind of—I—I I, I, I want to use the word overwhelming because everywhere you went, people knew who you were, and so my first game uh, as a Leaf, uh, I remember uh, I tried—I had uh, Sudafed, I had coffee, Afridrin—I was taking everything to get. Uh, fired up and relaxed. And my anxiety level was out of control. And I had Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, Matt Sundine, Felix Potvin. They're all, they're all, you know, Dave Ellett. And these guys are like, these guys were like legends to me growing up. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm walking down the tunnel with these guys with the Leaf jersey on. And I was just like, I couldn't, I had no energy. Like I was, I was concerned that I, I couldn't even move. So, I stepped on the ice we went down the lap and I look in the corner and I see Don Cherry, Ron McLean and their coaches core. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? That's Don Cherry right there. And I'm like, there's Ron McLean. They're doing, it was Hockey Night in Canada. I'm like, and, but meanwhile, I'm actually in Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. And it was just like, it was overwhelming the emotion to be there and to look around and I'm in Maple Leaf Gardens and, and how many people get to, to say that they have that experience to be a leaf in Maple Leaf Gardens on Hockey Night in Canada against Calgary Flames so, you know, the game was, uh, it was, it was an emotional game for me and it, and it drove me nuts because my adrenaline was so exhausted from the emotion, I I, I didn't even feel good. Like, it, I couldn't even get going. I felt, my legs felt like a thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. So the game was over and, you know, Burns, you know, played me in a power play and tried to, you know, break the ice a bit. And, I, you know, I played in a couple more games uh, that season and I got sent back down to the Leafs. And, uh, you know, from there, my, my career just kind of, it went where my journey was supposed to be. Um, you know, from there, I got traded. Uh, I, I had a great American League uh, see, you know, season when I went back. You know, I had all-star All-star star was, appearance.
0: All-Star, all-star appearance. All-star, yeah, All-Star. appearance.
1: Yeah, first-time all-star appearance with the HL. And so I scored a couple of goals. And right after that, I, I got traded to the Islanders in a big three-team trade with uh, like Kirk McLean, Beaupre. It was a big trade. So now I'm off to New York. Once again, from Newfoundland to New York, um, another surreal, like I'm in, you know, New York City, you know, I was, I was 20 years old, you know, go from Toronto to, to now I'm in New York and I'm an Islander. The history that presented in New York was incredible. And, you know, I was so fortunate to, to be an Islander for, for three years. And, you know, I've dealt with, you know, I was there, I, I dealt with uh, a lot of injuries and. And, and head injuries and trauma that, you know, we can talk about later that I had to manage and deal with. And, um, you know, moving forward, got traded to the Boston Bruins. Once again, how could anybody complain about being a Boston Bruin? I mean, now I'm flying from New York to Boston. I'm like the biggest sports city in North America, Boston. They got all the best sports fans and the fans are incredible and the city's incredible. And so spent three years in Boston with, you know, a, a lifetime of memories. And, you know, my wife was there with me at the time and, you know the experience I got the experience in uh, in there, and then then let's top it off with finishing off in L.A. Like I can't even, you know, I get to fly flight to L.A. Like are you kidding me? We landed in LAX and we go down to Manhattan Beach where we lived. We're like, I this is like I can't even I couldn't even script a better story of the cities I got to to do my journey in. I'm like now I'm in L.A. I got the beach and the ocean and the palm trees, and it was just uh, like. I couldn't have bought a a story the way mine was put together and and the journey. And I mean, I'm super excited about my experiences and someone says, what's the best city? Well, look at the cities I played in. I mean, I got Hmm. to play for the Leafs. I got to play in New York. I got to play in Boston. And I finished my journey out in LA. Like, are you kidding me? How do you, how do you one up that scenario? Um, But there's, there was a lot of, challenging issues throughout my career which which every pro guy deals with and you deal with and you know there's a lot of demons out there chasing guys and it's 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 a whole nother world when you're talking the big money game and you're talking the you know the stress and the pressure and so it's uh you know what with all the ups and downs I had and the injuries I dealt with and the anxiety and the stress and I I, I, it may sound stupid to people but I would 100% sign up today and do it all over again right now. So that's, that was kind of my journey from, you know, 40,000 feet looking down of a scale of this kid from Sault Ste. Marie grew up on a pond to, you know, the emotion that I feel when I'm talking to you about, it. it's just crazy. And, and all the adversity I had to deal with along my way has empowered me now because it took me 10 years to wake up, to empower me to give these people life skills and information on how, I've seen what the other side looks like. And I was you and you can be on the other side. You can make yourself better. And the reason I'm so convinced on it, because I did it. And so when I tell people, it's like, you can be better. Like what you have right now is nothing. You put your mind to it. You could have something. And so I'm able to use the tools that I've learned with a lot of the challenges and adversities and learning to now I'm applying those to trying to help other people achieve their goals. And, and so that's kind of my mission now is I have a gym and it's all performance. We're non-membership based and I work from special needs kids to, you know, that kid that's out of shape to pro athletes, to world-class athletes to. I'm trying to get world-class people and yeah. I'm honest with people and a lot of people don't want honesty. And I just tell them the truth that if you're not here to get better, just leave bottom line. I have no room for you not to leave here better today. And my model in my gym is you step in today, you leave better. And if you don't, don't come in. And my expectation is that. And I get those results because that's what the standard is here. So um, I get really passionate about helping people because I know what it's like on the dark side. And I know what it's like on the bright side. And so I want to give everyone the opportunity to experience the bright side. And I tell every kid, I'm only going to give you information. And what you decide to do with it is really up to you but I am gonna see you in 10 years and either you're gonna be on the street corner and I'm gonna say, do you remember when we had that talk about being committed? I can sleep at night knowing I had this talk or I'm gonna see the guy driving in success and say, do you remember when we talked about that turning point in your life? Do you remember when we, I talked to you about if you commit yourself, what your life could look like? So I tell everybody that I at least can sleep at night knowing that I'm sharing information that's going to help you become better. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at a real peaceful place where I'm I'm extremely motivated and committed to, to growing businesses. And, you know, sometimes get my fingers in too much because I'm so motivated. I feel like I'm in a race against time to help more people. So I need, I need conduits like you. And so when you come up to me, you're like, Hey guy, nice to meet you. I'm like, guy, look, are you kidding me? Like I'm honored to meet what you're doing because you're doing an incredible thing and you had an incredible journey. and, and, you're sitting back being modest and saying, I'm just sitting here telling a story. Yeah, but your story is what's going to save people. And so I need people like you to help the other side, what I'm not doing.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate those stories that you shared too. I, I was sitting here like a little kid listening to them and, and, you know, I can hear, you know, it's, it's awesome when you, when you hear someone go back and, and relive those memories, because it's, it's just incredible, right? Like even the junior days and moving away from home and just exploring life at that stage. It's, it's all exciting. Um, when, when, you talk about some of uh, some of the, the struggles that you faced in your career when when did this start to happen and and how did you deal how did you go about dealing with it it is this something that you kept pretty much to yourself like you had this this kind of uh facade I wouldn't call it a facade because it's not fake but this um, everywhere you go you know after a while you you fight Ty Domi a few times and you know you fight Bob Probert and and Proby's a, a huge you know, love pro, we got a picture of him right there, but you know, you got the best of them. Like, you know, the one that I saw, like really got the best of them. And, and, you know, you start doing that and you're fighting these guys every game, especially back then you're going into these arenas and it's not just the other team and and your teammates that are expecting it's the fans. It's the, it's everything. So, so how did that come into play into your life and how did you deal with that? And maybe some of the other struggles that, that you may have faced with head injuries and that kind of stuff.
1: Sure. Well, you know, my first challenge started when, when I went to Ottawa, um, I was, had all the friends growing up here in the Sioux. So I went to high school and I had buddies and, involved and I wouldn't say I was the most popular guy in school, but I had a lot of friends and I was in the ring of circle of, of the guys that did stuff. And so when I got, when I went to Ottawa, there was only one other player on my team that went to high school with me. So I went from, you know, popular Ken friends to a high school, I knew nobody. And I sat by myself every day at lunch, at a McDonald's table and ate my lunch. And I was so isolated and, and I knew nobody. And nobody knew me and no one had to know me. And I look back at it and go like, like that was brutal. Like I, I was in it, I was going to high school and I was that, I don't wanna say the word, I was that, I had no friends. Like I went from having friends to I had zero friends and I ate lunch every day by myself. And so I tried to transfer schools where all the guys were, but it was a tri-semester school and it didn't work. And so I had to go back. And so I was an extremely quiet and shy person. And so put the quiet and shy on top of being isolated in a school where nobody knows you. And there was like 400 people in the school. It was a big high school. And, you know, I had no friends. And so that that's where I, I i felt that i i want to say isolated but thank god at three o'clock every day my ride grant marshall had a great career in the nhl you know he was my ride and it was his he had the old beat-up car had no heat in it and we had to keep the windows down in the winter time so the windows wouldn't frost and of course i'm the rookie in the backseat and froze and uh you know that was my ride every day and, and hockey was my savior like when the boys picked me up, it was like, awesome. Like, here we are again. It's like game on. And so I had that savior. And then I went back to my family at night, village a family, which, which created me lots of comfort. And so I was able to, to manage it that way. So that was the first peel, the piece of adversity that I dealt with was being by myself and alone. And, and at the time I know why I was presented this in my life, because when I have groups and teams in my gym, I can, relate to kids that have no friends and I expose everybody and make sure everyone is comfortable. Everyone knows everybody. Cause so I see guys, listen, I know what it's like to have no friends. I was that guy that you see sitting at table by himself and I was way too shy to talk to anybody. And so I felt so isolated that I, I didn't even know how to, to experience. I didn't know what to do. So I had to learn to manage that. And I had my hockey, but some people don't have hockey so then this is where i have zero tolerance for this stuff and i see kids like everyone introduced we're all equals we're all moving forward together so that was my first challenge and then you know you know going into junior i mean and how junior hockey was like if you're a rookie like it was like terrorizing like to be a rookie when i was a rookie it was like not a good time to be rookies and there was no rules no laws it was it was pretty intense and so that, that exposed me in terms of, you know, you know, dealing with more resilience and dealing with, dealing with stuff. You're like, what the, what's going on here. Right. So, so moving on to, uh, you know, the OH, you know, I, I junior wasn't too bad. Cause I had no injuries. You know, I broke my hand, you know, in a fight against Eric Kearns who we went on to have a great career too. Um, yeah. Good buddies. So, uh, you know, then moving on to my, you know, first year pro uh, in the Toronto really not a lot of injuries. It it was pretty, you know, pretty still, you know, 21, well, 20 years old, you know, no stress, still living at home, pro, pro contract. Life's good, right? My first year in St. John's, I think I made 30,000 on my contract. I think I, I spent 35,000. I went and bought a truck worth 27,000 and rent. And so I come negative home after my first year pro. uh, But I think I, I enjoyed it. I think that was my first year of kind of, you know, having money. Uh, you know, then, then, then my journey started when I got, you know, traded to the Islanders. Uh, I had a head injury. Uh, I had a concussion. And there's no protocols in, in, in head injuries uh, back when I was playing. And I had post-secondary concussion, primarily to fast track it here. I, I slipped hit my head in the post and MSG in the morning skate. And I had uh, the trainers like, uh, how do you feel? I said, well, I, don't, I don't feel like good. I felt bad. And he's like, well, let's go see a doctor. Doctor diagnosed as a concussion. Three days later, the trainer says, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel great. I'm 20, 20 years old. I am in. Why, why wouldn't I feel good? He goes, all right, told the coach, you're in the night. So we're playing against Ottawa. A good buddy of mine from Sault Ste. Marie, Dennis Vial. Um, long NHL career. He, uh, you know, we, we got into a fight, five minutes left of the first period. We got into a fight. He hit me uh, not hard. And uh, thank God that... It was the end of the period because there we got uh was end of the period. So we went to the dressing rooms. I got into the dressing room and I sat down on my stall and I was just I started to I just didn't feel right, right? I'm like something something's going on here. I said to the trainer, guy, like I'm just something's going on. I'm not feeling right. He was come on in here. I laid down on the training table and shit was just shutting down he's like, okay, do you know where we're at? All of a sudden, I couldn't talk. Like, my speech, I felt my tongue was super thick, and I couldn't talk, and they were like, so they started freaking out. Uh, You know, my head started pounding, and I'm in, I can still remember this day, I was in the ambulance, and my head was just pounding, and all of a sudden, I started getting sick. I started throwing up in the ambulance, and they were like, they were concerned with uh, blood clot, uh, trauma to the head, and. I, I remember I get into the uh, Mount Sinai and I was in a dark room and they stuck the biggest needle in my arm in case they had to do uh, blood transfusions and I they tried to put me in a CAT scan machine and I was just throwing up like crazy and it was just uh, you know it, it wasn't a good time and I and I couldn't even talk at the time either and I was just I was in this body but I couldn't communicate to how I was feeling and uh, so I was in intensive care for three days in the ICU. Uh, And uh, this was when I was uh, 21. So right at the beginning of my career. So uh, I took the rest of that year off and I know why that happened to me because my, uh, as my journey goes, I'm working with special needs kids, which I absolutely love working with them and they can't communicate. Like they can't communicate with what they want. And I'm like, I know how that feels. I was that guy that could not Mm -hmm. communicate. And I was like in this coma and I have such a passion working with these special needs kids that I'm like, I just get them. I know how I can get them moving. Like I got 25 of them in a group and I got 88 standing on the wall. I'm like, you guys could go, you guys could go, go away. I don't even need you. Like there's $300,000 in salaries and I'm making 25 bucks and just rocking it with them. So I can get, and, and, and that's why I, I believe that happened to me. And so that was right at the beginning of my career. And you know what? I chased concussions and head injuries my whole career. But you know what, when I was young, I had nothing to lose. I was resilient, right? I'm 21. I'm a rock star. I'm playing for New York, going to the cities in the weekend. You know, we had, we had Brad, uh, uh, Brett Lindros, uh, Bertuzzi, um, uh, Brian McCabe, Eric Fischel. Yeah. Like it was a young first round rock star team. And we, we enjoyed being around each other. We were kids and we were just like, this is, we're in the show. And so, you know, I, I, I played New York for another year and a half. Well, I was there for three years total. And, uh, you know, to fast track, you know, my next uh, trend, I got traded to the Boston Bruins. And, you know, I, uh, I, I continued to fight. And unfortunately, I fought too good. And I put myself uh, in a role that I did not like. And I'm like, there's, I seen Kelly Brube at the time and he was 26. And I said, I said to myself, I said, there's no way, fuck when i am 26 years old i'm going to be fighting absolutely i said you know what i'll deal with it now because it's i'll put my time in but i said i can't believe he's still fighting at 26 years old that's so naive i was that i wasn't going to be i was going to become a player and i did what i did too good and i cared about guys and i stood up for people and that was my problem i gave a shit too much and yeah. i got myself in trouble because i went i went i stood up for people and and so, you know, getting into Boston, uh, you know, I had a, I had a couple more concussions, and uh, I had Pat Burns there as a coach, and, and Burns, he, uh traded to uh, I had him in the Leafs, and when he traded for me to get in Boston, so he he really had a space for me. He he appreciated what I did for the team, and so when I got when I went to Boston, um, I had a few more injuries, uh, head injuries with concussions, and um, it, it was it was bad. I was in. Uh, Buffalo and uh, I had a few beers the night before uh, just relaxing because I knew Rob Ray's there and Barney's there and they're not heavyweights but the stress of fighting is just over the top and every heavyweight guy I know that's listening and any guy who fights they they know what I'm talking about and so went into the game the next day and uh, there was a little scruffle and and, uh, Razor, uh, Rob Ray come across and sucker punched me on the chin, it wasn't crazy hard he came in and he was doing what he had to do. He would jump into skirmish and he kind of gave me a jab, a jab on the jaw. Uh, and uh it gave me a little stinger. And I said to the trainer, God, I got a headache. And he's like, Here, just take some Tylenol. So we jumped on the airplane and uh we, we flew uh back to Boston. And I said to the trainer, playing I my head is like, I got such a headache right now. And he's like, Okay, well just you know take these and let me know what you feel like in the morning, come by the rink. So we landed in Boston and it was one in the morning and I, uh, when everyone used to land, it was like the I 500 guys land. We get the private plane, private on the guys jumped in the car. And I was like one twenty on the freeway guys were ripping home. Cause there's no one on the freeway. So I got in my car, it was raining. I turned the wipers on, started driving on the freeway and shit was winding down. I'm like, what the hell? Like I, don't know what was going on? I'm like, so like I grabbed my phone and I started slowing down and pulling over and I couldn't dial. The numbers and all the guys were racing by me, beeping their horns. I'm like, guys, like I'm fucked right now. Like I can't, I can't even communicate. And I was like freaked out because I couldn't dial the phone numbers. I'm like, okay, I got to like pull my shit together. And I was, it was raining out, and it was one in the morning. So I called my wife. I was able to manage. I dialed my number, and I'm like, you got to come and get me. She's like, worry. I like, I'm on the side. I think it was Route One. And she's like, where? I said, I have no idea. I just left the airport. And you need, you need to just drive to the airport and come back. I'm on the side of the freeway somewhere. So I can imagine how she was freaked out over that phone call that, you know, I'm her strong heavyweight husband. All of a sudden I was like a two-year-old. I had no idea where I was and I'm on the side of the highway. I just couldn't drive. So she took me to emergency and I, uh, you know, checked in, seeing the doctors and, uh, you know, it started to subside. And when I was in the emerge, there was someone in there that choked on an apple core and it was not a big deal at the time. I'm like, it didn't mean nothing to me. I went home the next day and had like an anxiety attack and I felt like I was choking. I felt I had like an, I was choking on something. I'm like, what's going on here. I was like, I had no idea what was going on with me and my heart started pounding like heart attack. And I'm like, call my wife. I'm like, you got to call like something's going on here. Like my body was just like freaked out and I had no idea what was going on. And so I had a massive anxiety attack and all of a sudden it calmed down. And, but for months I was dealing with anxiety and I felt like I was choking because of that stupid apple that I seen somebody choking on. So I'm looking back at the relevance of this shit. I'm like, the mind is so powerful that mm. I seen that when I was vulnerable and I almost programmed myself. Like I feel like I'm choking cause that person was choking. So I'm like, it meant nothing to me at the time and it didn't mean anything when I was playing, but it means something to me now. I'm like, it is crazy how powerful the mind is yes. to the positive and to the negative. And so this is where I'm like super demanding when I'm coaching, I'm like, you need to do this because you're going to do it. Cause you don't have a choice. And when I give people no choices to do it, we get results. And Mm -hmm. so that's, I believe was another hurdle I had to cross. I dealt with massive anxiety. So when I see people and I see they're paralyzed with anxiety, I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to be so scared that you're like, I don't want to be here, but I also know that how it controls your life and it paralyzes your life that you can't do anything and you're just going to be in the closet your whole life. So I had to learn to manage and let's keep on top of this i'm still playing in the nhl at the time and i still had to deal with all these heavyweight fights so i, w- I was dealing with a, a lot of issues with it and and bernsey's like kid you know what just go home go back to the sioux go skate on the rink in the pond go try and reprogram what got you here and so i i'm like so i flew back to the sioux and spent like a month here just trying to do what i did when i grew up and, and recalibrate And i was so grateful for Bernsie. To say you know what like he, he didn't suspend my pays like just get out of here go do what you need wow. to do to get better and so i took a month off and i went back and and i still dealt with it but i knew i didn't have a choice this was my job right so um you know moving on from boston you know dealt with a lot of head trauma anxiety um you know life skills that i can now use to my advantage because i've, I've actually dealt with it never mind this textbook Never mind this person who's got this degree tells you this is what you're supposed to feel like. This is real life. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad the, the professor, I, I know they got these degrees. I'm not dis, disrespecting degrees in education, but my education was life experience in it. And you can't beat that. You can't pay for that. So when I deal with these people, I know what they're dealing with, not from a textbook or not what science is supposed to tell you. I deal with this because I lived with it. So moving to that. Uh, um, so. My contract was up in Boston, and uh, I had hip surgery. And the crazy thing is I couldn't wait to get hurt. If I broke my hand, I was the happiest person in the world. Like, I would happily break a hand by punching a guy in the face. And it sounds kind of crazy that I wanted to get injured, so I didn't have to deal with the stress and anxiety of of fighting. And so I had a torn labrum uh, in my hip. And we seen the doctors and it kept clicking and, and they're like, you know what? You got to get it fixed. And I'm like, so Mike Keenan was the coach at the time there. And oh, every no. game, Mike Keenan had somebody fight. Start of every game. We had Andre Nazov, this Russian. So he started every game because he wanted to fight at every game. And I just honestly was kind of checking out and I slowly was trying to get away from my role of what I was doing, but I was stuck into it. I couldn't get out. And that's what I had to do. So, uh, I got sent down to Providence after my hip surgery uh, for rehab and the coach was playing me in the fourth line. I'm like, guy, listen, like I'm a pro guys. Like I'm not here to play in the fourth line. And if you're not going to play me, I'm just, you know, why am I here? So he's like, just go home. So I go home. It all blows up. Bruins tried to suspend. me. He said I left under contract. We settled it all. I'm a free agent. I signed in LA, go to LA. And it's just incredible. Refresh start all over. But I wasn't fighting at all. It was the end of my career. I was avoiding fighting. I fought minimal. I had players come up from management. You know, wired, you know you're know you not fighting enough. And I'm like, so I, I went out, got into a fight, broke my hand. There, you happy now? I got into a fight. Now I'm out. So I, I was happy. I didn't have to fight anymore. So, so dealing with this journey, and, you know, and, and so LA, I was able to, I kind of checked out, um, you know, I, I, I quit playing for one year, led into two years. I uh, played men's league hockey uh, back here to, you know, sponsored a men's league team, the Sioux Kings. And I made a commitment to myself that, um, you know, one day, you know, to back it up, I was sitting in my basement, start riding my bike. And I said to my wife, you know what? I think I'm going to make a comeback. And she's like, you know what? Um, I'm supporting you, whatever you do. So I jumped on the bike. I converted my garage into a gym and I'm like, this is mission. Mission one. I said, I made a commitment. I'm not going to have another drink of beer till I sign a pro contract. So I grinded, I converted my garage and I pounded weights and rolled the bike. And I was like a machine. I was so determined that I was going to make it back. So I called Dave Taylor and can I get a tryout? You're good. That was the lockout year. Fast forward it, lockout happens. I sit out, I called Dave Taylor. Is my tryout so good for next year? He's like, yeah, go get it. You're coming. So I I grinded for year two, trained um, with Adirondack for one game found that everybody wanted to fight me, it wasn't worth my time, drove back 18 hours to the Sioux, joined my men's league team again where I didn't have to fight. I, I went to L.A., uh, no contract, my wife who flew out the kids, and I was so dialed in that there was nothing that was going to stop me. And it, it's it's scary to think about if somebody could be so committed that there's nothing stopping them. It's It's dangerous, actually, because that's where I was at, a spot where – I knew what I had to do because I was there and I went into training camp and I just terrorized everything that I knew what I had to do. They wanted me to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get a contract and I beat everything up that skated. I led the league in penalty minutes and for, for starting training camp and I signed a contract. I signed my pro contract after being out for two years and played men's league and moved back into my house. But then reality set in, I had my kids and I was still dealing with anxiety and issues you know, mental issues with my head and not feeling good. And I, I literally said to my wife, I'm done. And I, you know what? I called Dave Taylor and said, Dave, you know what? I, uh, I can't do it. I committed to myself of signing a pro contract again. And I fulfilled my obligation and my family now is my priority. And I checked out, I walked away and may have been stupid at the time. I still had a contract, and I could have used the extra cash now, but you know what? I was where I was at in my peace. And so moving forward, you know, I spent a few years in L.A., and, you know, I struggled for 10 years. Uh, I don't even remember what I did. You know, I know I drank and stayed at home, and I had money to live on, and I didn't do a lot. I wasted 10 years trying to figure out my life that I wish I had back. And uh, so I'm committing myself now to... To making sure i make everybody else better
0: appreciate your appreciate your vulnerability to share here man more than you know and uh i think you're going to make me emotional here it's you know those 10 years you know it's you know we can talk about that and you know, we talk about an identity of a hockey player um and when that when that's taken and, and you mentioned the other day uh kenny uh that you know it doesn't matter if you're you're know, minor hockey junior hockey or nhl um that 10 years. I mean, it's, uh, you're not alone in this, right? This is a pretty common story.
1: So anyways, you know what? Uh, I really, uh, I'm committed to to helping people better and, uh, moving forward. So I've learned all these lessons along the way of, uh, of how I could change other people's lives. And that's, that's what I do. And so I'm going to continue to do it. Um, and, uh, and enjoy it. And that's, I think that's what my journey is, you know, and my wife has been, you know, she, she's been through hockey and hell back with me. Um, you know, if she could sit back and tell stories, you know, what I've been through and she's had to go through the duration of it. And, you know, through the 10 years of me doing nothing and, you know, sitting around probably just drinking, like I did nothing. And, uh, cause I didn't know who I was or where I wanted to go. And, she stood by me and you know what, I've, I still deal with challenges and you know what, I'm, I'm an aggressive person and I want what I want and I know what I want and I go get it. And sometimes it's hard to deal with. So, you know, she's been through, through there and back with the kids the whole time. So, you know, we're still together. We're a team. She helps me with the program and, you know, we're continue to, to work things, work things forward
0: it's a, it's amazing right it's uh it's incredible shout out to your your lovely wife i haven't had a chance to meet her but you know it's uh who knows where you're at without having her by your side right so it's, it's
1: well important i know, I know to where you... i'm at i'm i'm where you were at in deeper like i'm yeah. nothing right i had nothing i would have lost everything fortunately i never got into drugs i did drink lots i would have drank everything away
0: thankful for her um we don't have to relive those, those dark times. I think it's, it's important to highlight because, and I thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to do this a, a lot uh, a few more times and, and do more stuff together. I sure hope so. Anyways, um, maybe we can get more into it then, uh, but tell us a little bit about, you know, you can highlight a little bit of those struggles, but finding your way and, and, and what that looked like for you and, and kind of where you're at today. Um, because it, you know, like you said, well, you got your, your hands and everything. And before you, you hop in here, you know I, what a what a great opportunity for these young kids, obviously in your gym and everything else. But I had the chance to watch you uh, coach, and um, you know, what an opportunity for these kids. I know you have a, a young boy on that team as well, but uh, just very special. Um, and and you know you definitely understand the value that you bring having those that lived experience. Before we go any further, we have a few comments. But Blair Buckman watching says, "Great podcast. Best of luck at the O." HFs Ken. So that's Blair Buckman. He's on the, uh, the trappers there. That's his dad there. Yeah. So, but yeah, just, uh, tell us a little bit about that transition and kind of what you're doing now and and what it took to get to to where you're at.
1: It's been a long journey to get where I'm at now. And, you know, when I finally woke up and decided to want to do something, it was trying to help people. And I created a global network and started connecting players with each other. You know, this was 12 years ago before podcast or before social media was really big. So, so I knew I, I knew I wanted to help people. So I, cause I knew I felt I could help myself when I was helping other people and mm-hmm. no different than you. It's like the more you help people, the more you're helping yourself heal and recover. And so, you know, I created a, you know, a global network, uh, you know, company. And then, uh, you know what, then I went forward and, uh, you know, I created a digital media company and, you know, then I started, you know, expanding from that the problem with me is that when I create something, I get bored and I, I, I create it and I need a new challenge. And so, focused on that. And then they went to the media company. Then, you know, for my global company started generating like a new product leads and I got into shop lockers and, you know, kind of tapped into that a bit. And then my kids were old enough to play hockey. So I knew I wanted to do it into the gym. So I started the gym and it's evolved into, you know, I had I had way too many businesses going on that were not successful. I, 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 I have 10 businesses and they're all failing. Right. So, so I've learned that along the way. And Uh, It took me, I've been in my current location for seven years and it's taken me five years to understand what my gym is looking like and what my identity is. And we're not a gym, we're a performance club. I I don't have a membership base. We're a peer performance, of all aspects of life. And the performance means whatever you're at from the special needs to the kid who does nothing that we're, I'm going to create more performance out of you and expect more out of you. So, so I'm dialed in doing that. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to, 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 be doing it, COVID was an extreme challenge. The gym industry was probably the worst industry to be in during COVID two years of being closed and you know, not a lot out there. So, uh, tonight was jammed. It was rocking in my gym. Uh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, my, my older son plays for the Thunderbirds. Their team just won the, the their league and the league title. Super excited about that. So their team's coming in and evenings now, you know, their goal now is to hit the RBC cup in 30 days. So, so Let's I got those go. guys coming in at night and they're grinding it out and uh you know I'm real excited to to see those guys now. I'm you know I want to give those guys an opportunity and and uh, to experience greatness and and achieve something that will motivate them to want to achieve more.
0: Wow. I, I love that, and yeah, shout out to your your oldest son Kenny Belanger Jr. I believe, right? Yeah, and uh, he's quite the quite the hockey player in his own right, and uh, yeah, that's is amazing, right? When you get when you get to be around your kids and then the team, and they're especially when they're on a run like that, and you get to be a part of it and you share your experiences with them. Uh, it's it must be incredible to kind of sit back and and watch as a father, but also uh, be a part of it as as sort of a, a mentor slash trainer for these kids at night. And I think you know they're coming into your gym to to get you know you know train and do that kind of stuff. But I think it's safe to say that they're getting a lot more than that when they come into your gym. It's more about a mentorship and a and yeah. a friendship, life and, skills, and all of that. which which goes way way further, right? Like to me, it's it deep. does. It
1: goes deep, yeah. The fitness side's one thing, but the performance, life habits, skills are really the focus point where we're working on.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. You're also involved in the the girls' hockey program up yeah, there. Yeah, recently and- got <laughs> involved
1: in helping uh, reorganize and and help them develop a, a better program and and create some greatness. Uh, you know, give some girls some opportunity as well as to experience. Um, you know there's so much opportunity for women out there now and young girls for hockey and college and pro hockey. And I'm like, we're in the suit. You guys don't see it, but there is a ton out there. And if you guys commit yourself like they're taking people. They need to give scholarships. They need to give pro contracts away. So yeah. trying to deliver that message to them of committing yourself. And if you fail as a hockey player, you're not going to fail as a person because you're going to have all the life skills you're going to need to have success.
0: Ooh, I like that a lot. That's uh, it's true. And, and, you know, I always uh, attribute, you know what I was, what I learned in hockey to be, it allowed me to get through what I needed to get through. You know, fighting through and that resiliency and and, and all those lessons that you highlighted for yourself earlier are similar to to many of us that that have the experience, to even played junior hockey and all or hockey at all. I mean, at any level, I think we're always learning uh, lessons about ourselves and about life, right from day one when you step into that dressing room at five years old or however old you are when you start. Um, I kind of want to circle back quickly. I don't know how much time you have, Kenny. Yeah, but- well,
1: no, my phone's good. If my phone dies, we'll have to recontinue.
0: How much time, how much battery life you got left?
1: I don't know. Let me check here. I got
0: a 20- <laughs> just so we, just so we I know. know.
1: Let's just talk as fast as we can.
0: All right. I just want to I want to hear your thoughts on where the game is at today. Do you watch NHL hockey and, and what do you see? How much in the loop are you uh, with the game and kind of what's happening around? Did you see the egress thing and all that? Like, where's the state of the game? I don't know if you saw Patrick Maroon talk about, you know, he got a penalty for chirping and all this stuff. And uh, where do you see the game? And, and it, obviously it's changed a lot, but you're coaching now at the younger level and you're around these athletes and obviously – uh, the Sioux Greyhounds are there. I'm sure you've seen a lot of junior hockey right. and, and all that. So wh- what are your thoughts on hockey today?
1: Well, there's a lot of prima donnas in the game today.
0: Love um, that you said that. Thank you. Hold on. Hold on.
1: All so right. I mean, speaking facts or fiction, and I like to speak facts. And if you want to call bullshit out that's fiction, I could debate you on that. So I, when I say prima donnas, there's a lot of kids that are skilled but haven't earned it and grind it and learn what it's like to be a pro learn what it's like to face adversity and challenges and it we can see it in the game it's just like every everyone's got feelings on their sleeves no one can push each other everybody runs everybody chirps everyone's got millions of dollars and good for them I you know what I'm I i could not be happier than seeing these guys make millions of dollars good for them I'm not envious of whatsoever but we just talked about character and where the game's at. Like that's, that's where it's gone. That's reality. And the junior players, and there's so much money and politics involved And you know, kids don't make it because they don't cash. It's a money game now. I mean, there's so much money involved that if you're not involved in everything, it's really hard to make it unless you know somebody. So um, I I respect hockey more than anything. I'll never disrespect the NHL, the players, you know, the OHL, the players I'll I'll full respect. Um, But, you know, and I'm not one of those guys that go back and compare what, when I played because yeah. I hated when the old guys come in and change. And, well, look, you're icing yourself. When I played, we never had ice. Well, because when you played, you couldn't skate. That's why you didn't need ice. So <laughs> you didn't have to ice yourself because you guys were out of shape and you didn't work. So it's yeah. evolution of where the game's at. And it's, it's, it has changed in terms of character of, of players. And, and, but that is what it is. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just from what I played, that's kind of where it's at.
0: I, I couldn't agree more with you. And uh, you know, there's obviously aspects to the game that I like. I, I like a skilled game, but at the same yep. time, I Very really feel like there's, there's, but it's, I don't know. There's just not enough accountability uh, no. to me on the ice, right? Like there just isn't. And that's something that was, that I really admired about hockey was right. you knew that you had to, you you had to watch yourself. You If you're going to overstep the line, you, you're going to pay the price. And it, that's, against somebody or somebody on the other team and you got to you know that there's a guy like you on the other bench it's like hey i better be on my best behavior tonight because i don't want to have to answer for for doing something stupid and now you can kind of get away with that and, and cry about it after and anyways i just wanted to ask you that yeah, but i think that's well, a whole
1: i think that's a whole episode we could talk about
0: absolutely i i really look forward to having you on here again and there's so much there's so much that you know i didn't get a chance to to really mm-hmm. get it we only scratch the surface kenny but i'll we'll have to get you either down here i can come up there we'll do like a, a, a sit down podcast i'm trying to get to do more of those i think they're mm-hmm. a, they go a lot better right to maybe even meet in north bay if you're ever there in the summertime yep. or something like that but got to get get you down here in muskoka we've uh well, we've if talked If somebody
1: chips in and donates a couple million to your uh foundation you can get a jet and fly me in
0: i love it let's go i like it. go Uh, that's the that's the plan and honestly you know we've talked we spitball a a few ideas about some things that i'd like to see happen and and you you too right and just sort of ideas i think there's so much that we can do together and i'm just really grateful for for our friendship now man and uh it really means a lot to me thank you for for sharing tonight and being vulnerable you know you're this you know arguably when i watch your fight videos i mean you're one of the toughest to play the game like when i'm watching these videos and i'm watching who you fought I mean, career might not have been as long as some of them, but there's there's reasons why and we right. know that now. But you stood in there and so we
1: could, yeah.
0: I mean, it's like, come on. So to to be able to come on here and and show a different side of you and and help people understand that you know there was way more to it than just going out there and fighting. There's a human aspect to it and obviously affected your life. So thank you so much. And and Kudos to you for your strength and courage tonight. And also, you know, getting through that really tough 10 years, it's not easy. And and many, you know, you see pictures of hockey players behind me. That's not all of them. There's more that go this this way. I guess it's backwards. And many that aren't there that, you know, went through similar and didn't make it out. So, you know, I'm really proud of you and uh, honored to call you a friend. And, and thank you uh, to your wife uh, for letting, letting me bore you here for the last hour and a bit. So
1: well, probably got to get home. Thank you for allowing me to share my story and... My goal is to help people everywhere and they need to know they're not alone. They need to know that there are people that do care about them. And what you're doing is a big part of a group of what people that care about them. So we need to continue to grow your word and the platform in terms of letting kids know and adults know that there is people out there that do get it
0: awesome I love it man I'm gonna fire through these comments after I just don't want your phone to die here we'll we'll schedule a show here in the near future I thoroughly enjoyed this man Thanks, um, buddy. We'll, we'll probably talk to you tomorrow I guess absolutely
1: absolutely have all right a buddy. Night, eh? you have a good night man we'll
0: talk to you soon Thanks,
1: buddy. take care Pete. Bye.
0: that's uh what an amazing episode that was uh, that was incredible I loved every moment of that I can't wait to get Kenny back on the show again soon. Uh, next time we'll we'll sit down and, and hash things out. Maybe we'll get a couple hours in. I got no time limit. I'll do this all night. Um, I'm going to show you guys for the first time fun little video uh, that we put together here for a sponsor for the show Wings Up. If you didn't see the, the episode, a couple episodes ago, they sponsored that show as well, but um, our good friends at Wings Up, we had some fun today. Uh, there's a new sponsorship from Wings Up Courtesy of uh, Josh Balderson, who's sitting on the couch over there, I think.
1: All right, and we're ready in five, four. Wait, wait, delay the show. I forgot
0: something. every podcast, I make sure to go to Wings Up and get a pound of their hot wings. But all of their stuff is made from fresh, never frozen, 100% Canadian chicken. Each order is hand-breaded and made fresh to order. Locations are popping up everywhere across Ontario. Head over to WingsUp.com to find the location closest to you. All right. Thank you to our friends over there at Wings Up uh, for sponsoring the show. Thank you to Josh Balderson for putting that video together. And shout out to the guy. At the Aurelia wings up who was a uh, a real good sport today came in with a fist bump and here's the thing right and i, and I mean it like these wings are unbelievable i i should have posted the picture and made a video actually of the hot they have this new hot sauce the reaper hot sauce and i'm i'm into hot sauce anybody that knows me i put hot sauce on absolutely everything This hot sauce was so hot. I'm going to post a video of it tomorrow. I was drenched in sweat. So if you like hot wings, not just wings, they do it on their bites and their sandwiches. Check out Wings Up. Follow them on social media at Wings Up. Grateful. Grateful for their support. Grateful for Josh coming down here today. We had some fun doing that. It's it's not all serious stuff all the time. We had some outtakes and bloopers and, Doug, our buddy Doug here Doug Doug, that's what we call him now took part in it too it's interesting when I go back to Aurelia and that store the Wings Up store is on Memorial it's on Memorial in uh, Memorial Street, I think it's Memorial Drive Doug, Memorial Drive he's sleeping I think it's Memorial Drive in Aurelia but that's the same street that I got in a high speed chase in, uh, in that town, right? Not too long ago, three years ago. And, uh, I had to rollerblade. I forgot my cell phone lost it. I had to go from Tim Hortons back to wings up and had to I rollerbladed past like three cop cars in a on this street that I got in a high speed chase. And I'm thinking, Hey, like I'm doing a, a promo for a company here in Aurelia, well, and and beyond, because they're everywhere across Ontario, I'm rollerblading down this street, and I'm like, wow, you know, two and a half years ago, I was in jail, and three and a bit years ago, I was trying to outrun police on this very road, and it was very surreal to just kind of take that all in, and uh, still is, so I almost got emotional like two minutes ago, but I reined it in. I don't know if anybody caught that, but I'm I'm dead serious. I'm so grateful to be in this position and i hope by me being able to pull myself out of hell i really hope that it and it allows other people to understand that it doesn't matter how far down you go or what you're you've dealt with or what you're currently dealing with that there is hope and that there is a way out of hell i don't have anything special inside me i say this all the time if i'm special then you're special If you're watching or listening to this, and I mean that. We all have that within ourselves to be able to find it. Sometimes we need outside support. There's no doubt. But as Kenny alluded to, I mean, we can basically said you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink without saying that. That's basically what he was saying early on in the show was, you know, you can't make people do it. I certainly wanted people to help me and come save me say this all the time, I remember being on Homeless, on Hastings Street in Vancouver, and legitimately thinking like, hey, I just want somebody to come save me. Please come save me. Nobody came. And even if they did, it might not have allowed me to to get my life back. Sometimes we need that, that initial hand up, there's no doubt. But if someone's gonna help you out of the water, and you're not gonna take those steps forward to get going, You know, you eventually get so tired, you probably just fall back in that water. It's kind of a bad analogy, but it's the best I got right now. We have to be our own hero. We have to be our own hero. We are the main character in our own story. And it's up to us, right? Whatever we're dealing with to find it within ourselves, to face it. And I'm here to tell you that when you do that, life becomes a lot better it doesn't become perfect but it does become better and it and things become manageable over time talked about this a little bit on an instagram live earlier so i'm not going to get into it all i'm going to wrap this up because i talk way too much but i want to just say this one more time i am not any more special or any more stronger or any more courageous or anything Than anyone watching or listening to this right now. We all are special and we all have so much strength within ourselves. Somewhere along the way that gets taken. Quickly, just allude to what I talked about earlier on Instagram. If you watch a baby, like I have young Veda who's just like a year and a half old, and I watch her, even I watch like Lincoln and Hadley, they're, you know, five and, you know, almost four. But I watched them and the resiliency and their willingness to, to try and keep trying and get back up and just go and believe in themselves and and never give up. It's it's remarkable to see somewhere along our lives. It, feel, it feels to me that that's taken from us. At least it was taken from me where I start to doubt everything in my mind and start to question everything. Are you good enough? Are you strong enough? No, you're not. No, you're not. You can't do this. You can't do that the self-talk in my own mind, the doubts. And it, it doesn't serve anybody. It certainly didn't serve me. If you're struggling, I always like to remind people, if you're struggling, there is hope. I will sit here and say this confidently, and there's somebody else in this room as well, that's gone through something very similar. You, and it's the same for him. You cannot go down any further than him and I went in addiction, in life without losing your life, which both of us almost did on multiple times, multiple occasions. There is nowhere to go but up for him and I and for a lot of people. But where we were at, where I was at, I'll speak on. It's death or a life sentence in jail, which honestly, death may be better. So I know what it's like to be hopeless. Several people that have climbed out of hell, found their way. And you can be one of them, too. But nobody's coming to save you. So stand up and save yourself. Look in that mirror. Have a conversation with yourself. It sounds a little bit extreme and crazy. Try it. See if you can look yourself in the eyes. If you're struggling, go in the mirror tonight and try to have a conversation. Look at, look at yourself in the eyes. See what happens doesn't work message me let me know try to tell yourself that you love yourself and that you believe in yourself and see how that makes you feel and see if you can take all of that in that's where i started and then i started to pay more attention to my thoughts how i was treating myself how i was judging other people on the inside based on my own insecurities and I started to pay attention to my thoughts and I still have a long ways to go. But I started to pay attention to my thoughts and I'll tell you, it's become easier and easier to intercept the negativity, the bullshit, the judgments on myself and other people. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve others. And i paid attention and I understand now how that stuff makes me feel to have those thoughts and to sit with those thoughts, whether it be about myself, which it is 99% of the time, the 1% it's about other people, but to sit there and, and to feel it and then to understand the impact that it's played in my life in years past and continually on a daily basis. Kenny talked about earlier, the power of the mind. We hear this stuff. I heard it for years and years. Oh, yeah, the power of the mind, power of the mind. I'm not sure anybody on earth quite understands just how powerful the mind is. I know I certainly don't. But I'm just now starting to understand how crucial it is. Conversations we have with ourselves, the the way we treat ourselves. I've really found that when I start to treat myself better, I actually treat other people better, too. It's quite remarkable. It's amazing how that works. What are you thinking about throughout the day? Are you paying attention to it? Or are you just letting this negative side of your brain, the devil within or whatever you wanna call it, run your life, run your mind. And how is that impacting your day-to-day life? Just a, a question to leave you guys with. Anyways, that's it. We got some great guests lined up. We got Kelly Rudy coming back to join the show. April 27th, mark it on your calendar, 8 p.m. I believe that's a Wednesday night. Kelly Rudy, we got Ted Nolan coming on the show too. Going to have my buddy Justin Schmidt return for another episode, currently playing minor pro, leading all pro hockey, minor pro in fighting majors this year which is kind of scary to me, but I love Schmitty, former teammate, been on the show before, battles with his own demons. He's currently playing with Ian White. Yes, Ian White, former teammate of mine and past guest who also struggled and has been quite public. He's back playing pro hockey. I'm not sure if you guys knew this. He was homeless, essentially, when he was on my podcast a year ago. He's back playing pro hockey and he's playing with Justin Schmidt. They actually both might make an appearance on the show. So that's exciting. Make sure you uh, check us out on social media. If you can hockey to Helen back puck support my personal page at mental health hockey. If you do like the podcast and you feel like supporting me personally, which has always made me feel a little bit awkward, but to cover some of the cost of the show and, and different things, um, I have a Patreon account. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's it's kind of like a. Uh, don't really know how to describe it, but you go on there and it's like a monthly subscription. There's different options. You could do five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, and so on and so forth. I have to update the page. I haven't done a ton on that Patreon page, but I'm planning on using it um, to move forward to post uh, certain pictures that people will never see. And I'm going to start blogging on it once a week. I'm going to start writing again because it's really important to me uh, to write for my own mental health. And I really enjoy writing. And I think that's a good place to sort of blog. I'm going to start try to journal more often, but I'm going to share at least one of those uh, blog entries every week on my Patreon account If you're listening, I'll have the link below. If you want to support me, stay tuned for details. I'm going to update the tiers. You'll see what I'm talking about if you go to Patreon uh, and make it a little better for all of you. I do have uh, a few supporters, which I'm super grateful for. Shout out Stuart Smith. (laughs) Love you. Um, Also, at the end of the show, if you're watching the the picture at the end, we'll have the link there. So that's uh, a way that you can support me in this show directly. Uh, From a monetary standpoint, I feel very awkward uh, even asking, uh, but that's something that I'm going to utilize. I'm going to really try to make it uh, worth your while moving forward, but there are costs that are incurred to this show. I'm happily uh, been paying for them and people have been contributing in in ways uh, unimaginable, Um, but this is a way to sort of hopefully sustain this moving forward. Uh, Also cover the cost of uh, Josh who's uh, behind the video camera and that kind of stuff. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Brady leave and you're going to be seeing a lot more uh, hearing a lot more about me talking about that page and doing stuff over on Patreon uh, away from the public social media. So uh, if you subscribe, you'll have access to, to different things going on behind the scenes and, and all of that. So try to try to keep up with that and, and get that going. So thank you so much for your consideration. And that's a little spiel on Patreon, but that's all I have for everybody tonight. Thank you to Kenny Belanger. Can't wait to connect with him again. Um, it's now a good friend of mine and privileged to have him in my life. I feel like we're going to do a lot uh, to help others. Him and I have very much the same aligned views and goals. And we're also looking for more people with those aligned views and goals uh, to contribute to what we have going on with puck support and uh, other things moving forward. So if you want to get involved, send an email to team at pucksupport.com. We're moving along, we're inching away. We're close to launching the nonprofit charity, which has been the goal since 2020 when it all started. And uh, it's, it's very surreal, it's very surreal. It's humbling just to be a small part of it and to see it come together and the people who are involved and the things that are happening and the way it's being built. It's very professional and way over my head, but I'm learning every single day and I'm just grateful to be a small part of it. Can't wait to share it all with you. Anyways, that's it. Finally, that's it. We'll see you guys back here next Tuesday with my buddy Keegan from Mindful Meds. I'm going to get a little education next week. Can't wait to connect with Keegan. Until then, stay kind, be grateful. Shout out to my family out there in BC, especially my kids. I love you guys. I miss you. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Until then, have a great day, if you so choose. Oh yes, yeah. able, oh yes, yeah. I'm stable, oh
1: yes, yeah. no label, oh yes, yeah. you know me, I have only a path. I'm lonely, but that I'm I don't want no fake love, I want the real stuff Everybody listen up, cause I'll only say it once I'm gonna show you all the path, if you want it bad I'm gonna show you every side, yeah, how you can get it back yeah, Cause I ain't never done, I'll be number one Working hella hard until I get just what I want yeah. Rise rises like the sun, yeah, fatal like a gun Shooters gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall i always through it on up. my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing i oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, you're no
0: oh yeah, you know me, if I only path, I'm lonely. but yes. Yeah.